Coming up in this episode, Randy is back, so there's, you know, advance apologies for that. We're going to talk about a really interesting subject, and we're not going to have a ride of the week, but we are going to talk about 10 motorcycles from World War I and World War II that most any biker, unless you have a brain aneurysm, would love to own. So if that's something that interests you, stick around. If it doesn't, stick around anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, may I direct your attention to something quite extraordinary, quite incredible, quite unlike anything you may have experienced in your life. Shut up and sit down. Welcome to Random Thoughts from the Road on the Ozark Rides Digital Network. Conversations about motorcycles, any random thoughts that pop into our head, and of course, what are the best places to ride in America? The Ozark Mountains of Missouri and Arkansas. And now, here's your host from OzarkRides.com, Craig Allen and Randy Lewis. I don't know what's wearing out faster, me or my bike. What I do know is that if your bike needs maintenance, then you need to go to Heartland Honda in Springdale, the first level five Honda powerhouse dealer in Arkansas. Their red level technicians can keep you rolling this summer. Plus, Heartland Honda has a huge selection of Honda motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-sides, all with excellent financing options. So give them a call at 479-751-7022 or find them online at heartlandhonda.com. Heartland Honda. Work hard. Play hard. I want to tell you about a legal team whose members are both experienced motorcycle riders and aggressive lawyers, Law Tigers. Now, Law Tigers is not a law firm or a lawyer referral service. They're a national association of motorcycle accident injury lawyers who are ready to assist you with your accident claims. Each Law Tiger has their own law firm, and they have a great website that can help you with a lot of your questions. So go to LawTigers.com and put their number in your phone. 888-863-7216. There's someone there 24 hours a day, seven days a week to help you with any of your questions. Law Tigers Motorcycle Lawyers, helping riders find answers. Well, if you love getting your kicks on Route 66, then take a ride through Pulaski County, Missouri. This 33-mile stretch of the Mother Road is filled with beautiful scenery, great throwback diners, and made-from-scratch meals, and plenty of historic sites as well. Some of the top highlights of the ride include Hooker Cut, which was once rumored to be the deepest cut road in America. The limestone walls are truly impressive. Devil's Elbow, which was once known as one of the Seven Wonders of Missouri. Three impressive rivers, including the Big Piney, the Gasconade, and the Robidoux. All in all, the drive takes about an hour and a half, But you'll want to give yourself a little extra time because part of the fun is stopping and visiting with the locals. Download their app at PulaskiCountyUSA.com. Digital downloads to find even more impressive stops. You know, last week I told you about a new sponsor with the podcast. They're called Let's Roll Motorcycle Lift and Dolly. And it is a fantastic dolly. Now, Randy, you've tried this out for a little while. What's your impression of this thing? Yeah. Being the ace mechanic. Shit, I don't know about ace. I'm just a dirty man. It's it's a comparative level. If you're talking about between you and me, (laughs) you're the pedophilia of mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's actually pretty sweet. At first, I didn't understand, you know, how well it would work, how nice it would be. You know, I'm always skeptical about shit like that for whatever reason. 
but the thing absolutely works. I really like the idea that it comes with a flat jack. So you put the jack underneath the center of the motorcycle, you jack it up. Once you get it up in the air, then you roll this cradle underneath the motorcycle that fits out around your jack that you just used to jack it up. And then you simply just lower the jack down, set the bike on the cradle. It comes super easy to install. A little bit of adjustability on your height. As far as the cradle goes, there's, I think there's two bolt holes. You can set it all the way down or up another inch and a half higher than that. Gets the bike up relatively 10, 12 inches or so off the ground. So guys that want to clean their wheels, clean all the under stuff. This cradle that it sits on is really, really wide. So it's the front of the frame and the back of the frame. What's really cool is it doesn't require any strap downs. No. I mean, it's solid. It stays put. Yeah, so the idea of having the wide cradle that's wider than the jack, it really makes it nice and easy to, to set it on. And then once it's on there, a sucker's on there. My fat ass tries, you know, I think I'd done it with my chopper and a couple of Harleys. I did it with a my chopper, my FLH, and then another small motorcycle. I think it was a soft tail standard is what it was, just to see how it all worked. Obviously, all Harleys. They were kind enough to send us the adapter plate that goes for it for Indian as well. Right. So that was pretty sick, you know, big ups to them, hats off. Super easy to install, basic hand tools. The casters are really nice casters on my garage floor, you know, full concrete shop floor. It spins, it rolls easy. I mean, it, it's pretty nice little setup. It is. It's, it is a great product. I think it's the best motorcycle lift there is out there. It is 100% American made. It has a lifetime warranty. Uh, it'll handle up to 1,200 pounds. So if you'd like to know more about it or see some videos on it, simply go to OzarkRides.com. You'll see it right there on the homepage. Just scroll down just a little bit and click the link and all the details are in there. And heck, if you want to get one of your own, don't hesitate. I mean, it's, it's a great product. You will not be sorry. I'm just very happy that it's 100% American made right now. And that is so rare these days. So, did you have a good week, seeing how you were out chasing kittens? <laughs> Shit, it's been a long time since I chased kitty. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's an avenue there that I choose not to go down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now it's a good week, man. Just business as usual. Business as usual. So, we were talking about what would be kind of fun to talk about this week. The idea coming up of uh, 10 motorcycles from the World War One and World War Two, it wouldn't be awful to have in your stable. Oh, shit, man. Yeah. And I hate to be a cop out, but, you know, when if somebody was depressed, which one do I want? All 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's I easy. Mean, it's, it's a cheap way to go, but the, I couldn't pick. It's easy to say that for sure. I love history, period. Me too. And I love wartime history. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it just, I'm completely fascinated with it. Obviously, I'm a Harley guy. So are you now, I take it? Yes, I'll tell the story. <laughs> so my, I picked my granddaughter up from Missouri State and brought her home for the weekend. And she had never been on a motorcycle. Well, my bike, I can't ride two up because it's a single seater, no foot pegs in the back. Yep. Because that's the way I like to ride. So yeah. I borrowed a street glide from you. Yep. With ape hangers. And it handled surprisingly well with ape hangers. I've been telling you for years. I mean, years. it was a little, little high for my taste, but the ride was nice. Yes, it was. It even had electronic cruise control. Oh, uh, I know, dude. I've never had a motorcycle with cruise control before that one. And some of the longer trips, like I've, I've been beating it up around here and shit, I like setting the cruise and just kicking back, riding no hands and just, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's kind of neat. It's kind of nice, whatever. So we got her on the back of that bike. 
And, uh, you know, to get it up to 85, 90 miles an hour, just on the back road stretches. And you can hear her squealing and yelling and having a good time. <laughs> and, and I like seeing kids that, um, are exposed to motorcycles for the first time, have a positive experience. She said, she, I quote, she never felt so alive than being on the back of a bike. Man, it's, it's true, dude. It now is we need so to true. get her figured out how to get on the front of the bike. We could do that. I know yeah. a guy. <laughs> you I know got a, a guy. guy. <laughs> but hats off to you for loaning us the two-seater. Yeah, no and, problem. Um, no problem. You know, it was a Harley, and I was seen in public on it. Yep. yep. Here's here's the biggest things, and you'll never admit it. You like the ease, the comfort, and the power over your little 92 cubic inch victory. Yeah. Yours, what, was a 103? Yeah, it is. And you know what? I didn't really, honestly, I'm, I'm not trying to bust your balls. I didn't notice the power difference. Yeah, because it's so effortless. On yours, all the power that you get, it's screaming, it's working its ass off. To Have get... you seen my fat ass? <laughs> yeah. Any bike would do that. But on that, not that Harley, obviously. Shoot. <laughs> now, props, it did well. I got I got no gripes, yeah. but I do enjoy busting your balls about it. Yeah, you just love balls. Goddamn puss-faced little pimp stick. Boy's got a mouth like a cannon, always shooting it off. Moving right along. I yeah, knew we couldn't yeah. get through one damn episode. No, no. So here's what's up. We're obviously doing top 10 or 10 motorcycles from the war era. Yeah, I the, thought about doing a Letterman-style top 10, but... I don't know. Yeah, that, I don't even know what the hell We're that just going to talk about the 10 bikes. So here it is. And these are in no particular order. No, hell no. Um, on the Harley side of it, what most people think of, you talk about a, a wartime motorcycle with Harley. First one that comes to mind is the Harley WLA. You know, they got a 45 cubic inch flathead. Harley came out with their big twin flathead as well, but that's what everybody thinks it was about. Like a 45 cubic inch motor, wasn't it? They had a 45, and I want to say there was, uh, the purists are going to kill me on this, but I want to say there was one bigger than the 45, like a 60 or 61 or something no, like that. I won't say because I don't know. Well, shit, neither do I, but I want to say that there was a larger flathead that they came out with too. Now, the WLA is what most people envision in their minds when they think of World War yeah. II Harleys. Yeah. Yeah, drab green. They got a rifle satchel on the front. They got ammo cans on the back. Yeah. Just stuff like that. But here's what's absolutely just, I've seen these bikes. I've only seen a couple of them in person. But what a lot of guys don't realize is, was it World War One or was it still World War Two? They had uh, their experimental. I think they called it an XA. That was World War Two. Yeah, it was the XA. Yeah. That this one fascinates the hell out of me. It does me too. So it's a they call it a side valve. It looks like a BMW engine. The boxer engine. Yeah. Yeah. And that's Harley. In World War II. Fighting the Germans. Fighting the Germans. Ripping off the German motors. <laughs> it's kind of one of those things. It's like we can do whatever the hell we want with you. We're gonna take your technology and beat you with it. But you know, a lot of guys don't realize that you know Harley had made an engine like that. And it's absolutely sick to me. Like, imagine having that motorcycle, a good, pristine. That was the one they typically put a sidecar on. Yeah, a lot of the times. You see a lot of sidecars in the war. And some people think that they use the war bikes in the war effort. Like, they're charging the battlefield. No, it was really more like running ammunition, running um, 
just scout, reconnaissance scout missions and yeah, things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, running letters back Gophers and forth. Is what they were. Exactly. They were easy to get in and out of. They were, you know, more nimble than freaking taking a Jeep or a tank or something like that or a whole cavalry out. So you'd send a couple guys out on a motorcycle and a lot of them had sidecars because, well, one guy's arriving and one guy's scouting and one guy's, you know, got a, got a rifle at ready mm-hmm. in the sidecar. Plus, with a sidecar, you can carry more shit. So, sidecar, they sometimes would mount a little machine gun on the front. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How cool would that? Reminds me of the old TV show with the Jeeps, the Rat Patrol. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, something like that would be very cool. Harley claimed that this was one of their most successful bikes during a 10-year period with that motor. Yeah. Uh, do you know what XA stands for? I, it's, I know it's experimental. Army. Experimental Army. Yeah. 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 But a very cool bike. If you ever get a chance to see one of those bikes, they're they're unique looking. The boxer engine throws you off. You might think it's a BMW. Right. I mean, it looks just like the 71 or 75 or whatever it was that BMW made for the war effort. Mm-hmm. Now, the other one that was very popular, that was used a lot in the North Africa campaign. The other one that was just as popular was the Indian 841. Now, yeah. it too had a V-twin, but it was a V-twin reminiscent of a Moto Guzzi. Yeah. And it had a shaft drive, which was ideal for North African desert from that sand. Yeah. Chains and sand don't work too good. Oh, never do. Never do. But other than that, those two bikes, they look almost identical. Yeah, frame Other than the motor, the paint job, the frame, everything. Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's the only way you can tell them apart is the engine. I just think it's really, really cool that these two big American companies... It sounds shitty, but for lack of a better term, ripped off the other guy, the other side's design and right. their Moto stuff. Guzzi, which was Italian, which was not our friends in right. World War II. Right. But here's another unique thing. Harley Davidson, and this is not a slam, this is just historical, was on the verge of going out of business before yes. World War II. World War II saved them. Oh, yeah. Because of the contracts. Yes, yes, for sure. They weren't selling bikes. You know, Had it not been for money. the war, they would have been done. Yeah. Well, and every you got to think all the American companies, they shut down their normal production for war effort. Right. So they start, you know, you got weird plants making ammunition, shells, you know, parts for the stuff that they need in the war effort. Which so, is why they didn't make new cars during that period. Right. All dedicated to the effort. Yep. yep so for sure. Let's move on to a bike that was uh, very popular in World War One. It's called the Douglas 23. Yeah. Massive bike, four horsepower. Ooh, boy. Cranking that shit out there now. It's a British bike, and uh, they supplied bikes for the British Army, and uh, it was their key motorcycle during World War I. Now, that's, you know, 1917, 1918. That's very in the rudimentary beginnings of motorcycles. Yeah, it really is. So you can't expect a whole lot. Right, right. But this thing was really nimble, really durable. It had... uh, Two and three quarter horsepower, which, yeah, which would is, haul the mail. Which is crazy to me. Well, at the time, it was big deal. Yeah, think about that, man. You know, and you it go power, and it was a flat twin. Yep. You go fifteen years before that. How you're going to do these reconnaissance missions? How you going to do all this stuff on horse, horseback, exactly, or foot? And this had like a two and three quarter horsepower. It was like a three fifty engine. <laughs> it, it was it for was the three, time, probably. Yeah, it was a flat twin three fifty. Yep, for the time, for and sure. to put a sidecar on that, I I can't imagine that thing going yeah. very fast. You know, it's really cool. You know, jump ahead of time. You know, the motorcycle company Ural? 
Yeah. Urals look just like those old. I think it's it's like a, I don't know, I think they're made in like a Eastern Europe company, Urals are. Mm-hmm. But Urals have got a drive gear that you lock the sidecar drive, or the sidecar wheel is actually a drive wheel too. So you can lock it into gear and have two drive wheels on the back out of a sidecar. But all that comes from these World War One, World War Two bikes, like that's where Ural is getting their niche from is making those bikes, you know, they're underpowered, they're kooky crap like that. But it comes from these motorcycles right here. Now sticking with world war one, Harley Davidson also made a showing in world war one with yeah. their very popular J model. Yeah. Which I'll take one of those now, please. And thank you. Those J models. A lot of guys will flat track those. That's what they would use is those, those motorcycles and turn them into flat track racers. Yeah, they, and they're they're very cool bike. Those bikes had the long straight box tanks. Yep. Yeah, yep. and they used them a lot in northern France as part of the war effort in World War One. It had a sixty-one cubic inch V twin with a three-speed transmission. Shit, everybody wants a J model. They really do. I don't know how long they kept producing those. Uh, hell, I'm not for sure either. Let there's one more World War One bike that I want to touch base on. And that was a, a British bike, Triumph Model H. And they started producing those in 1915 for the war effort. And basically, like you touched on earlier, they were used for transporting messages because they had such a light frame. You know, yeah. back then, you have to keep in mind, there wasn't a lot of established roadways. Oh, yeah. So yeah. this is all dirt, cross-country, rough through a, terrain. Through a goat path. You cut a fence to get through here and there. Yeah. It was a 550 engine. In that bike, what did it make yeah, for how power much, though? Yeah, four horsepower, <laughs> exactly. Is it? It's shocking to me how big the engine had to be to get five horsepower. Yeah, right. so you're talking about shit a, that's push push lawnmowers come out with bigger horsepower engines than that now. Yeah, but at the time, you know, that was yeah. big business, cutting edge, man. Uh, cutting had a three speed transmission, and the company that uh, helped produce this was a company called Sturmy and Archer. What they were a big manufacturer of bicycles. Which, ah. you know, we've talked about earlier, the early days of motorcycle yeah, uh, construction building yeah. were a lot of times bicycle companies. Yep. Yep. For sure. For sure. So jump to World War II, probably one of Indians' most popular motorcycles, just all around coolest. I wouldn't necessarily say the rarest, but everybody seems to love this motorcycle, is the Power Plus Twin. Now, you talk about Indian dudes and... Everybody's heard of a Power Plus engine, mm-hmm. and they absolutely really propelled Indian a long way in the, gosh, early, just before 1920, around 1920-ish, mm-hmm. correct? Something like that. They made a crap ton of them for the time, and now... Now, they started out in World War One with the Power Plus, from what I've read, Yeah, and on to World War Two. So that bike had a long lifespan... Yeah, for sure. For sure. A lot of guys run those power pluses. Again, 50,000 of them they made. Holy crap. You'd think they could find one to bring here. <laughs> How many of these motorcycles do you think are just laid out in uh, European countryside? Probably a lot. Or even around, not not here, but you know, just in America, in barns, even if they're just rusting away. Man. That's why I miss that show so much, What's in the Barn. Oh, with Dale Waxler? Yeah. Yeah. God, what a dream job would that would be. How I just think it'd be 
gnarly to go to some of these old war zones in Europe and see if you can't find some, find some parts, find some stuff, which I'm sure it's been picked through. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure there's a lot of these. But it's like a treasure hunt. You're looking for that one holy grail thing that. Imagine finding. Oh, grandpa's got that out there. And we just thought it was junk, you know? Right. Which, you know, they went through. I mean, they went through hard times during and after the war and stuff like that. Well, they took these things and they scavenged them. Yeah. But imagine finding an old war bike that hadn't been dismantled in somebody's barn or in someone's freaking fallout shelter over there and, and dragging the key it is out. they don't know what they've got yeah i gave you 50 bucks for it and take it out of here for you <laughs> yeah yeah we'll haul it as off for a scrap. courtesy for scrap shoot man that'd be absolutely insane but fifty thousand of those bikes being made there's got to be some of them you would think so i mean in the original Gosh, they're they're probably not sitting in someone's barn, but hell, I could be wrong. I don't know what it's like over there. Um, so here's a bike that, you know, bigger in World War II. Yeah, it's for the other side, but the BMWs, the 75, I think they had a, a 60-something, like a 68 or 69, hell, I don't know. Those things really haven't changed much through the years. Well, you know, the reason is because is it worked. It worked very well. Very, it still works. You know, if it if it isn't broke, don't fix it. There are few bikes in the world that are more bulletproof, rock solid than the BMW yeah. 75. Yeah, it really is. Now, I'm seeing a lot of, on the custom side, I'm seeing a lot of guys take those and cafe racer them out and make them just look insane, you know, completely modern. Now, the 75 is what the Germans used in their North African campaign. Yep. yep. Um, I guess we touched earlier about the boxer engine, you know, they were have basically going head to head style for style. That was a 750 uh, flat twin. It had a whole 26 horsepower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a big step up from a four horse engine. It is. But you know, you need a lot of power to haul your big fat ass across the sand. <laughs> yeah. It's part of what really gives BMW a great design. Now, granted for a tall guy, you know, think about the average guy back then was probably five five, five eight, was a right. tall guy, something Which like that. Which that made it a big bike. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But with the heads opposed like that, they cool a lot better. Everything hangs a little bit better. So it like I said, it and cools a lower a lot center more. of gravity. Lower center of gravity. So when you go off canter everything, like these bikes really did very, very well. Yeah, because if you've ever ridden in the sand, yes, you're, you're gonna yes. get uh, drugged down. Yeah, exactly. But one of the things that tickles me is the the Harley uh, ripoff. Uh-huh. They call it the Harley engine was inspired by the BMW 75. <laughs> it wasn't inspired. They stole that engine. Oh, man. They ripped it off. Yeah, they bootlegged the shit out of that thing. Yeah, it is. What they call that now? Uh, reverse engineering? Shit, you got me on that. I don't know what they call yeah, it. So it's just where they just I grab just an it- engine, steal it. And copy it. Yeah, I just call it rat bastards. <laughs> yeah, tracing it. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about another bike. It's a British bike. It's called the Norton Big Four. Yeah. This is an awesome yeah. bike. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I like Norton's. It's, a, like I said, a British bike. And it, this bike was fitted with sidecars during World War II. And they were used for transporting uh, ammunition, like you said earlier, reconnaissance, mm-hmm. things like that. Right. So these bikes were not like today's bikes where they're roaring, they're loud. I mean, they were kind of sneaky. You could get in places that nobody else really thought to be able to be into. Well, that's exactly right. Because of their purpose, 
Yeah. You didn't want to be noticed. Exactly. Exactly. Now they were all rigid suspension with a front suspension is it. So I'm sure the freaking things rattled a little bit. And I'm sure dudes on their downtime learned how to do donuts and hang the sidecar and have a little fun and shit like that. But, you know, what was so great is you could get, say, behind enemy lines or through heavily fought areas easier. You know, you're not as tall as you are on a horse. A horse makes some noise here and there. So there's there's a little bit of a, a sneakiness to having a motorcycle in a war. We like sneaky. Yeah. So there's one more bike that we haven't touched on. It's the Indian 741. Mm. It's a World War II bike. And um, it's kind of based on the 650B, which was a sports scout model. Yeah. Hey, do you suppose they call them scouts because that's what they were? Like a scout bike? Like, where does the scout come from? I don't know. It makes from? so much sense that it, it almost leads me to say no, because <laughs> that's common sense. You know, who comes up with the name, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a scout. You know what I mean? Yeah. But these 741s were made for World War II. Mm-hmm. Never saw any service during World War II. I did not know that. I didn't know until I looked it up. Really? But, yeah. So they were built for the war effort, and yet they never saw any service in the war. That's Indian just saying, hey, here's these bikes. Give me some money. <laughs> well, I think that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Or they were just trash. You did that on purpose? I gotta barbecue your ass in molasses. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> they, I mean they're based upon the, they are the Scout bike. Mm-hmm. Now, it had a 30.5 cubic inch side valve engine, three-speed transmission, and this was a powerhouse, 15 horsepower. Man. It would burn up. I mean, that's the kind of thing you pop tires with. Yeah, you're doing something there. So the the Indian 741 mentioned never saw service in World War II, even though it was designed and produced for that. I think that, like you said, was a money grab on Indians' part. Good on you for getting away with it. They had (laughs) these big, fat mud guards on them, and uh, they were designed for rugged military use. But I think it's kind of fascinating that they uh, never got any use. Maybe it's because by the time they came out, the war was pretty much almost Probably over. Probably so. Probably so. so. We'll let you have that pick one, Pick one up I guess. cheap at your army surplus store. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if I were to guess, here's how my list would go. The first bike that I would pick up, if I was going to be picking up a, a war bike, for me personally, I would go the um, Harley XA just because I think it's insane. It would be hard have. for me to choose between the XA and the uh, 841 Indian just because of their unique engines. Yeah, yeah. The 841 is my number two. Yeah. Because it, Harley's always going to be on top for me. Just how it sure. is. Even though that thing is a BMW and a Harley platform. It, it's the Harley XA, then the Indian 841. Then I would probably go to a J model Harley. Then I would go to the Indian Power Plus. And then I'd probably go with the BMW R75 is what I would go to. You can buy one of those at the BMW dealer right now. Pretty much. Um, Then after that, I think I would go with, just because it's different, I would go with the Norton Big Four. That would be my top bikes that I, if... If I could just get, shockingly get all of them, that's what I think I would, I would go. go right down that same line, except for the only caveat is I don't know that I could choose between the 841 and the XA. Yeah, see, I could. Because you're a Harley guy. Yes. <laughs> but that just goes to show how much I'm impressed with the XA Harley. Yeah. 
because I'm not a Harley guy, and I may have to take that one over the top. I'd kind of like to have that little Douglas uh, yeah. 23.4, just be, because it, it's so unique. It would be neat. It really would, but that's where my J-Model Harley comes in. That's kind of unique, too. <laughs> so all of you out there that are listening that have these bikes, whether they're restored or not, go ahead and get a hold of us through the website, and uh, we'll come and pick them up for you, get them restored, and proudly display them in our living rooms. Yes, yes, all for you. Yeah, as a courtesy. Yep, yep, for sure. A couple of things we want to touch base on before we get out of here. Um, next week, the 14th through the 18th. Yeah. Lake of the Ozarks Bike Fest. It's happening. We will be set up there with our partners, Law Tigers, at the Lake of the Ozarks Harley-Davidson. They've got their big 18-wheeler out there, and their whole setup will be there as we were last year. Yep. Also, we're going to go over to Rolla on Saturday to the Chase Ride, which if we've touched base, if you don't know about, it's a cross-country vintage motorcycle race. Mm-hmm. Randy's big on that. I love that, man. I absolutely dig every last aspect so of So we'll go over there for the, a few hours in the afternoon. Also, Law Tigers will be there as well. They're double team in the outfit. Yeah, buddy. So we'd like to see you. If you get a chance, come on out. There's going to be some special guests. I hesitate to say who because in this day and age, you never know whether they actually show up or not. (laughs) But uh, some big names. So if you get a chance to come out, we'll do some games, some trivia, some giveaway, uh, things like that. No free beer, so don't get your hopes up. Uh, Yeah, you got to pay premium for that over there. Beer costs extra. Yes, it does. It's not that it's not had. (laughs) It's just going to cost you. So one last thing is we always touch on, if you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help keep it going, then you might consider becoming a club member. It's really easy to do. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Ozark Rides, or you can also click the Patreon link on any page at OzarkRides.com. We've got giveaways, exclusive videos. You even get access to the podcast before anyone else. Also automatic entry into our new monthly prize giveaway. So you know what? Consider that. If you don't want to do that, that's okay, too. We're just glad that you tune in for whatever crazy reason that you have. (laughs) Don't know what we'll talk about next time, but, you know, we'll find something to annoy you with. So until then, Randy, hope you have a good week coming up. Yeah, yeah. That's all he's got to say. He's finished his beer, so he's... he's (laughs) It's on to the next job. (laughs) On to the next job. So until then, stay safe and keep it on two wheels. (laughs) 